You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, Rafer, you and I offer up questionable advice and the finest film and TV recommendations in the universe. That is absolutely true. Uh, in any universe, in fact. Yes. <laughs> All right. Shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, let's do it. Our first letter this week is from Maya. Maya writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, in December 2019, I set many goals for myself for 2020 and as opposed to what normally happens with the goals I set, they were not in the trash after three weeks. I was on fire. By the end of February 2020, I crossed many things off my list. I tried a lot of new things. I took good care of my health, and I even celebrated my birthday in Iceland, which was amazing. Then there was COVID. As with many people now, I am tired. I do not have the motivation to take care of myself, and I definitely do not have the motivation to set new goals. But I want to. Which movie or series do you recommend that will give me that early 2020 spirit back? Thank you and keep up the good work. P.S. I apologize if my email is grammatically incorrect. English is not my native language. Oh, I never would have guessed that, actually. No, I never would have guessed that either. This is better than most of the grammar that I come across in my life. This is fantastic. I know. It's better than my own grammar. Um, Well, I like that idea, the early 2020 spirit. I like that. Yes, I like that too. Did you have early 2020 spirit, Rafer? No, I didn't have early 2020 spirit. (laughs) I had winter. I had winter 2020 spirit, probably. (laughs) So long ago, I can't remember. You know, I don't remember what my life was like back then. Well, I think actually, now that I think about it, my grandmother had just died. So that was that was sad and that was rough. And I just I just made it out to her funeral Um, and I made it out to see some friends as well in California, um, one of whom was also having some medical problems. Um, It's kind of a tough beginning Kind of a tough early 2020 for me. Mm. But then things were fine after that. Everything was just fine. <laughs> Everything was great after that. <laughs> Not. No, but I, but I don't want to say it was horrible or anything. But uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I started the year out with that uh, that kind of gung-ho uh, feeling. How about you, Kristen? You're kind of a gung-ho. 
You're a gung-ho person. Oh, I never do. Come on. I'm not good at New Year's resolutions. I don't really like New Year's resolutions. You don't? No. I just feel like here I am setting myself up for failure. Really? Look, everybody, I'm going to announce this thing I'm never going to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I am going to donate to the gym as if it's a nonprofit organization, even though it's a for-profit organization. (laughs) That's right. That's what I'm going to do this year. (laughs) You're the profit. (laughs) I'm lousy at it. Yeah. I I will say at the beginning of COVID, though, I don't know if you remember this, Rafer. I was briefly on fire where I was like, I'm going to make the most of my COVID. And I read like a dozen books in three months. And oh, yeah. um, I'm sure you remember that. And I was like running all the time. I was doing all these active things. I was having minimum once a week happy hours by Zoom with people. And then after a few months, I'm like, this sucks. I'm just going to lay on the couch and eat cookies. You gave it up. Well, I, listen, this listener of ours uh, sounds like uh, she's got some real, uh, some, ener- some energy that maybe I don't have. Um, but what are we going to recommend to this highly energetic listener to give her that, that early 2020 feeling again? Well, Maya, I am going to recommend a movie for you that came out in 2019, right around the time when you made all of those resolutions, uh, when you had that can-do spirit. The movie is called Britney Runs a Marathon. Do you know Britney Runs a Marathon, Rafer? I, I know of it. I have not seen it. All right. Well, it is a little indie darling. In it, Jillian Bell plays Brittany. She's a hard-partying woman in New York City who receives a startling wake-up call when she tries to procure recreational Adderall from her doctor. The doctor explains, no, you can't have these recreational drugs, and also you're in terrible health, and you need to make some changes. And so Brittany begins by setting very small, achievable goals. For example, I will run to the end of the block in these terrible Chuck Taylors and in my clothes that I just wear to work every day. Um, But as she continues on her journey, her goals get bigger and expand into other parts of her life. And before you know it, she's cutting down on the partying. She's getting a second job. She's doing so much more. The supporting cast in this movie is terrific. It includes your friend, Rafer, Michaela Watkins. That's right, my dear (laughs) personal friend. Yes, Akash Ambukhtar, Lil Ray Howery, and Micah Stock all of whom are terrific. Here's a clip. What brings you in today? Uh, I have a hard time focusing. Mm. You get enough sleep every night? How much is enough? Six to eight hours. Oh, way more than that. (laughs) That's not the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I had a friend who was also just very out of it, and she was prescribed, um, what is it, Adderall? And now she's very alert. You know, some people abuse Adderall for recreational purposes. What? Yeah. That's crazy. It's true. I'm sorry you have to deal with that. Well, I do. Yeah. All the time. I really wanted to see this movie because I heard great things about it. Um, also, as 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 I've said many times, I do love Michaela Watkins. I think she's always great and stuff. Um, and I try to see all the stuff that she's in. And um, but I I really would have run out and gone to see this movie if I had known that the the hero is running in Chuck Taylors because <laughs> I did that when I very first started running. Oh my gosh, Ray for really. <laughs> Your poor yes, that's exactly your poor that's sense. That's exactly what my friend Lisa said. I started running when I was in journalism school, and they had this little track in the building. And I thought, well, doggone. I was like in my late 20s. I thought, I'm going to start running. 
And so the only sneakers I had were my Chuck Taylors. And I went down there. My friend Lisa saw me and she looked me. She, she did she did like the elevator eye. She just looked me up and down and she said, are you kidding me? You're going to go running in those Chuck Taylors? She's never she's never let me forget that. She, I, I will never live that down. Anyway, tell me more about Brittany Runs a Marathon because I'd heard great things. And I've, I've always wanted to see it. Uh, well, what I love about this movie is... It is not a magical weight loss fantasy film. And I think some people might be under that impression because I don't think the trailer does a great job of making that clear. Um, And I personally do not like the magical weight loss fantasy film. I hate the idea of like, look, you lose 20 pounds and then everybody loves you. Life is perfect. You get the dream job. And I, I just I really appreciate that this movie is not that. Brittany does, in fact, lose some weight, but losing weight does not make her life better. It does not make her a better person. What ends up helping her and makes her a better person is that she messes up and then she makes new goals. She messes up again and she realizes she has to do this different or that different. She messes up and then her friends actually call her to task for it. They actually say, hey, uh. you screwed up here. You can do better. You're capable of more than this. And so that's what makes this movie so good. And Maya, I think this movie will inspire you to do that. I like it. All right. Well, it's a it's I gotta I gotta push that one back up to the top of my list. It's a fun movie and um it might even make you want to go back out there and run again, Rayford. In good shoes though. Good shoes. <laughs> I do, I do run and I do have good shoes now. I have <laughs> pr- proper professional real running shoes. I do. <laughs> but what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe to our listener Maya? Well, I picked a kind of an offbeat movie. Uh, it's a movie from 2014. Uh, a little hard to find. I do know it's on Vudu. I, I I couldn't find it on Amazon. Maybe I wasn't looking correctly. I know it's on Vudu. It's a movie called Land Ho with an exclamation point at the end. Ooh, I don't know this movie, but it reminds me of Chips Ahoy. Right. Those cookies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, not not many people know this film. It's this. It's this. You you will you will see I think in a moment why I have recommended it. It's this odd little movie about these two guys who are both older. Like I would say they're over sixty, probably close to seventy. Uh, Mitch, who's an American, uh, Colin, who's Australian. They are ex brothers in law, but they're still very good friends. And uh, Colin's very down in the dumps, uh, and Colin's kind of a ma- mild mannered guy. He's a little reserved, a little a little bit decorous for an Australian, but he is. He's a kind of a mild-mannered type, a little, little, little downbeat. Mitch, on the other hand, is American through and through. He's this loud, funny, boisterous guy, likes to have parties and smoke some pot and chase some women, even though he's like 70 years old. He's got the loud shirt and the sunglasses, the whole bit. And Mitch shows up to Colin's place one day with a surprise. I got two tickets to Iceland. And so <gasps> off they go for a vacation to Iceland. And here's a clip. Guess what? What? A nice email from my cousin Ellen. Okay. Oh. Oh, excuse me. Uh, you want a hit? Are you kidding? It's not what I think it is. It's just a little joint. You know, I've smoked most of it. You want okay. some? Okay. Where did you get it? Wouldn't you like to uh-huh. know? Well, when did you get it? I got it this morning. Oh, man. What time did you get up? Come on. I don't know. I just couldn't sleep and... You know, just didn't want to waste my time rolling around in the bed. All right, read the email. Tell me about it. You sure you don't want any of that? I, no. I don't, I don't want any, man. I haven't smoked pot since the 70s. The, wait a minute. The 1970s? Yeah, the 1970s. Damn. 
Boy, have you been missing a lot, bud. <laughs> read the email, right? Just uh, read it. Okay. Iceland, just like our letter writer, Maya. Whoa. Exactly. Exactly like our letter writer. Um, and this is a, this is the real charm of this movie is, uh, well, A, Iceland. It really does kind of feel like taking a little travel trip through Iceland. Um, and the real charm of this movie is, is Mitch, um, who's this kind of crazy, funny guy who just kind of steals every scene he's in. And the backstory of this is kind of funny. Mitch is not really a professional actor. He's just a guy uh, named Earl Lynn Nelson, and he's a cousin of the filmmaker, Martha Stevens. And he's just one of those guys, right? You know, everyone's got one in their family, right? The crazy uncle, right? The incorrigible grandfather, the, you know, some some brother-in-law somewhere who you just, and you're always thinking like, man, that guy should be in a movie. <laughs> well, Stevens put this guy in three of her movies. Um, if I remember right, she was basically taking a vacation to Iceland anyway and kind of decided to turn it into a business trip and make a movie with her cousin. Um, and they hired a professional actor to play Colin. And here's the result, Land Ho, which is this kind of modest little funny kind of nothing of a movie, which is just Mitch and Colin kind of getting into these weird situations. And Mitch says whatever nutty thing pops into his head. And um, But it's really funny and it's charming. Um, Earl, Earl Lynn Nelson uh, died a few years ago mm -hmm. in 2018, but he's really fun to spend time with in this movie. It's got a real upbeat kind of sensibility to it. Um, not a heavy lift, um, not that much happens, but it's really enjoyable. And, uh, you know, it's the best you can get to going back to Iceland. Uh, I've never been, but, uh, it was a lot of fun to go there through this film. Um, so that's my recommendation. Oh, I love it. I am going to have to check that out. I love it when an amateur actor ends up stealing the whole show. Totally. I just love it. Totally. It, it happens every once in a while. Um, like what we do in the shadows, you may recall, they had the one friend who was yep. like an IT specialist yep. who, he's not an actor, but for some reason, he's just the stiff guy who works in, you know, IT. Yep. He's the one who turns off and on your computer, but he steals every scene that he's he steals every. Yeah, that's right. That guy had like a total deadpan. He never cracked a smile, <laughs> never broke character, right? Uh, that was, yeah, that he was great. That was a great movie. <sighs> Well, once again, Maya, we hope you check uh, both these movies out. One is called Land Ho from 2014. That's Rafer's pick. And my pick is Brittany Runs a Marathon. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder that we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Tree Trouble recently gave us five stars and wrote, I love this podcast. Rafer and Kristen have great rapport and even better taste in movies and television. On top of that, they give excellent advice, though they tell you it's only questionable. I love the mix of highbrow and lowbrow recommendations, and I especially love when the hosts disagree about a movie prescription. <laughs> that does happen every once in a while, doesn't it, Rafer? It does. It does. Maybe, maybe we should do a little bit more of that, Kristen. We can just have a whole month where for every uh, letter I prescribe Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, then we'll disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you, Tree Trouble. I hope whatever is happening with your tree works out for you. <laughs> Stay with us when we're back. We have someone who's been putting her family first, and her friends don't necessarily think that's the right thing. Hey! 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, you read this one. All right. This one's from Cheryl. And Cheryl writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, several years ago, I made the decision to give up a lucrative job and move back to my hometown to take care of my mother, who was very ill. I saw her through some very difficult times and, after her death, continued to live with my father to take care of his needs. Quite a few friends see this as a cop-out. I believe I'm not living their version of adulting and am being judged harshly for it. Perhaps I'm old-fashioned, but I believe in taking care of family above my own needs. Am I wrong? Do you have some movie recommendations of people in a similar situation? I'd really like to hear your opinion. Wow, Cheryl, that is a major life decision, an incredibly generous and incredibly kind decision to give up that lucrative job, to relocate, to do this for your family. And I I really hope that your family has treated you with a great deal of appreciation. I hope they tell you all the time how grateful they are. Yeah. Uh, I I really hope that you're getting all that affirmation and love from them because you absolutely have given up a lot. And I think we live in a world where caretakers are oftentimes overlooked and they work very hard. Caretakers, oh my gosh, you you really have a lot that you're dealing with as a caretaker. And um, I, I will say this, I, I don't want to side with your friends here, but something that jumped out at me about your letter was that you believe in putting family above your own needs. And- mm-hmm. That did concern me a little bit because you have needs too. And I don't want you to completely give up your needs for the sake of your family. And uh, not to sound morbid here, but your family is not going to be around forever. And I have friends who say this about their children too. Eventually their children moved away and they never created any other life for themselves other than raising their kids. And it can be incredibly tough and heartbreaking to, you know, regain your bearing in life and so on. And I don't want you to end up like that with, you know, whatever the future holds when your father eventually passes away. I don't want you to be left in the same situation where it's like, I don't have any of my own dreams or desires being taken care of now. I don't even know what my dreams or desires are anymore. I don't want you to lose sight of that either. I think that's right. Um, I think you, you do have to, you do have to make sure that you have your own, your own needs met. Um, So I agree with everything you're saying. And I guess uh, I'm going to add one little sort of the flip side of that, maybe. Um, I got out of my hometown and left the minute I possibly could. I, 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 I ran and never looked back. Um, and I had I just felt like I had to go out, live my own life, get away from some of the messes I had made of my life back there and find something new, reinvent myself somehow. Um, but I just, you know, the minute I could climb out of that nest, I, I, you know, I was, I was off into the blue. My father, on the other hand, um, never left 
his hometown. He was born and raised in that town and stayed to see his parents, both of his parents through till their deaths um, and visited them every day and was, you know, um, a, a faithful, faithful caretaker um, and, and friend and companion to both of them. Um, and I will just say that in my later years, I have realized what a price I paid for moving far away and um, being all the way on the other side of the country and being so far away from them as I got older, as my kids got older, as they got older. Um, and sometimes when I think about the amount of time that I haven't spend with, spent with them that I could have spent with them, um, it really gets to me. And I, and I do have some regrets. I mean, listen, I lived my life. This is the way it had to be. I don't think I had a choice, but there was a price to be paid there's a price to be paid there. And so I'm just sort of bringing that up to Cheryl um, while backing you up, Kristen, in what you're saying about making sure that Cheryl is not, um, you know, um, uh, uh, squashing her own needs. Um, no one can really tell you which is the right thing to do and which is the wrong thing to do. You're, make, you're making a choice and that's your choice. And, um, you know, you, you're, there are some benefits to that, some big, some big, big benefits that you're getting out of that choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on that note, Rafer, what are we going to prescribe to Cheryl? Well, I'm going to prescribe a movie that I kind of, I guess it sort of goes to what I'm saying. It's a, a movie called A Quiet Passion from 2017. Um, it's the story of Emily Dickinson with Cynthia Nixon uh, playing Emily Dickinson. Oh, yes. Yeah. This was a movie that really uh, kind of vanished. It just sort of evaporated when it came out. It um, it got lost in the shuffle in 2017. It, it played the Berlin Film Festival the year before. Then it came out in the UK uh, in 2017. And it got rave reviews from critics, but I, I don't... I don't remember that it got much of a release at all here in the U.S. Anyway, um, it's got this great cast, Cynthia Nixon um, as Emily Dickinson. Uh, Emma Bell plays the young Emily Dickinson. She's really great. Jennifer Ely uh, is her sister, Lavinia. Uh, Keith Carradine, an unrecognizable Keith Carradine, plays her father, Edward. And then a lot of great character actors and unknown actors in smaller roles. And the movie just kind of gives us the basic contours of Emily Dickinson's life. You know, she was born in Amherst, Massachusetts, and she spent her whole life there in the company of her family. Um, one of the first things she says in the film is, you know, oh, oh, life, oh, home, how wonderful you are. Uh, she was just that kind of person. And she was kind of an eccentric, and she never married. We all know she wrote these dozens and dozens of poems, and only a handful were ever published uh, before she died. And here's a clip. Will you go with us to church, Miss Buffalo? Of course not. Going to church is like going to Boston. You only enjoy it after you've gotten home. We are to pray for the repose of our late pastor's soul. Doesn't that rather depend on where it's gone? <laughs> we shall become fast friends. Of course we shall. I'm irresistible. Everyone says so. When the new pastor does arrive, you must point him out to me. So that you too may be saved. No. So that I will know whom to avoid. Don't enjoy your praying too much. It might become habit forming. I guess I would say, uh, to me, the real strength of this movie is the screenplay. I think the dialogue, as you can hear there, is terrific. You might be able to tell that the actors deliver it in this kind of slightly stagey way. Um, yes. That yes. may not resonate with everyone. Um, but 
I think it's really great the way people kind of get into these big questions about, you know, happiness and loneliness and death and all these things. And sometimes the conversations are heavy and sometimes they're quite funny. Sometimes they almost sound like something that you'd hear in an Oscar Wilde play or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess the reason I recommend it is I guess when people think of Emily Dickinson, mostly they think of her identity as a woman, the fact that she refused to marry, uh, that she had this very personal uh, religion. And you know, there were all these other things that people normally think about. But I guess what struck me about the movie was that Here's Emily Dickinson, a person who lived her life her own way, and nobody approved of it And because it, it didn't look to them like the right kind of life from the outside. You weren't supposed to not have a husband. You weren't supposed to stay home from ladies' auxiliary or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I think whenever people come over to her house, they sort of tend to tend to leave thinking, what kind of life is that? But in fact, um, she was quite quite happy for the most part. And she made her own choices according to her conscience. And she did pay a price for some of those choices, but we all do that. Um, And I guess I'm just, I'm trying to make the point with this movie that I think our listener, Cheryl, is living the life that she wants to lead. And I think it takes a lot of strength to do that. It's a real achievement. And most people don't actually have the strength to live it. They tend to live the lives that other people think they should live. Oh, Rafer, I love that. More than anything, I love your advice there. Well, thank you. The strength it takes to live the life you want to live. Yeah. Well, I think, but I, and I, I, again, I want a second, second, if not third, what you said, Kristen, about making sure that this listener does, is, is living the life that she wants to lead and is getting the things that, that she needs. Do you, does your recommendation speak to that more, perhaps? Well, my recommendation kind of shows the conflicts of doing what you think you want versus what you're supposed to be doing and how that comes into play with aging parents. I'm going to recommend something called Ruth and Erica. And this is very unusual. It's not the kind of show we normally recommend on movie therapy. Ruth and Erica is just, I believe it's a 13-part series that's available on YouTube. And I think it's also available on Hulu. And uh, don't let that dissuade you. This is not a low-rent TV series by any (laughs) means. Uh, Ruth and Erica was made in 2012. It was designed to be on YouTube, but it's very high budget. Uh, It's got huge stars in it. Maura Tierney stars as Erica. She's a 40-something landscape architect with a complicated love life. She's living in San Diego. And when her mother breaks her foot and her dad starts suffering from memory lapses, she heads back home to help out. And along the way, there's lots of push and pull with her trying to get them to move to a retirement community, them trying to maintain their independence, uh, and her coming to terms with the fact that she's put up a lot of walls in her life because she doesn't want to ever be in the same position with someone else that she's in with her parents as the only child. She doesn't want to have anyone else have to take care of her ever, and she doesn't want to have to take care of anybody else. Here is a clip. I think you should know. Your father's very upset with you about last night. He is. He said that? Yes. He said, he said, I I am upset with Erica. Asking for his keys? I don't feel safe. (laughs) Well, you don't say that to a father. The man has kept you safe your whole life. Do you know how it feels hearing that from you? The man has never had an accident. Never even gotten a parking ticket. But he fell asleep at a stop sign. Once. Oh, I never should have told you that. (laughs) 
I have friends who are in this situation with their parents right now. And that sounds, that sounds tough. And I think about it for myself all the time about what happens when my parents get to that age. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a big, that's a, that's a, that's what they call a life event. Yes. Yeah. It's really tough. And someday somebody will have those conversations with us if we're lucky enough to get older. Um, I just got to give a shout out here to the whole cast. Erica's mother, Ruth, is played by Lois Smith, who's terrific. Philip Baker Hall plays her dad, Harry. Oh. Michael C. Hall, uh, Rosalind Chow, and uh, so many other people play supporting roles, and they're fantastic. And the entire thing is written and directed by Amy Lippman, who's most famous for Party of Five. And uh, I, I just got to say also, Cheryl, when you watch this, just keep in mind, you know, no one is the good guy or the bad guy. Nobody is making 100% the right decision or the wrong decision. And hopefully when you watch this, and I, I do have to point out each episode is only 10 minutes long. This is very snackable. Oh, wow. You can watch it in small doses if you want to. But when you watch this, I, I think it may really help you hold a mirror up to yourself and see what you're okay with, what you're not okay with. Are there things that you're giving up? that, you know, maybe your friends are right about? Are there things where your friends are totally wrong? Watching the show, I think, will help you to clarify that for yourself. And if nothing else, it will make you feel less alone. When you watch this, you'll be like, oh, I know that feeling. I know what that's like to fight over that thing with the parents when I'm an adult at home with my parents. Oh, I'm impressed. This sounds good. Profound, but snackable, you say. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, you can sit down. Each episode's under 10 minutes, so you can sit down and watch two of them. Then you can take a break. Maybe a couple days later, come back and watch more. But it is beautiful. Um, I actually watched the entire thing in one sitting. It's probably the length of a feature-length film when you watch all of it together. Yeah, right. Sure. But it's wonderfully well-written and talks about those things that need to be talked about, those conversations we all should be having. All right. I like it. Okay. They sound like two good ones. Uh, from Kristen, Ruth, and Erica on YouTube. And from me, A Quiet Passion, which I know you can find on Vudu. Nice. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form there. You do not have to use your real name. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's Facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. When we're back, we have our weekly What Should I Watch Next letter. We're back, and it's time for this week's What Should I Watch Next letter. Kristen, hit it. <laughs> hit it. I'm going to hit it right now. Love it. <laughs> Jillian writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm a big fan of movie soundtracks. I love films where the music is as important to the story as the characters. My husband is a real musician, aka music snob, and teases me that my gateway to music is often through movies, but I don't care. There is no shame in my game. Was I introduced to Sam Cooke by a little film called Inner Space? You betcha. Was I turned on to Queen because of the Bohemian Rhapsody scene in Wayne's World? Yes. Did I think the Big Chill soundtrack was better than the Big Chill? 1,000%. Girl after my own heart. Is Rick James' <laughs> Super Freak the cherry on top of the nearly perfect Little Miss Sunshine? Yep. And real talk, Dirty Dancing would not be the movie it is without that incredible soundtrack. Ironically, I do not care for the musical genre unless it's something like The Commitments or High Fidelity where the music itself is part of the story. 
I'd love a recommendation that will get me singing and grooving. Bonus points if it introduces me to a new or new-to-me artist. What should I watch next? Oh, Rafer, I feel like this question has you written all over it. Rafer Guzman, former rock critic. Well, I, I bet you probably had a list of 500 movies there, right? I, I, did. <laughs> I did. I did, actually. I did, and especially because I was just um, doing a thing for uh, my paper, Newsday. We were doing a whole uh, sort of 90s culture project, and one of the things that I did was compile a list of the uh, the best, the most definitive 90s movies. Um, and Ooh. many of those had these great soundtracks, you know. Um, they sure did. You know, I'm just going to say the soundtrack of singles better than the movie singles. Train spotting. Oh god, I love that soundtrack. I mean there's just yes. right so many, right? I mean so many. Uh there's there's a lot of great stuff. Um so yes, and I would love uh to this reader, I would love to meet your husband. Any any music snob is also is always welcome in my house. Um <laughs> So all right, uh I do have a recommendation for you. Um it is Baby Driver from 2017. Do you know this movie, Kristen? Of course. With Ansel Elgort and Lily James. That is exactly right. And driving. <laughs> and a guy named Baby doing the driving. Thus, That's exactly right. The movie's called Baby Driver. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the whole movie is, uh, you know, from its title all the way down through just about every single line of dialogue is about music. Uh, it takes its it, The Baby Driver takes its title from a Paul Simon song, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes, yes. Right? So, uh, okay. So this is by Edgar Wright, one of my favorite directors. I've been dying to show this uh, movie to my kids. Uh, once they get a little older, I should say this movie is it's an action thriller. It is quite violent. I don't know if this will be quite up our viewers' alley, but if you want music, here you go. Um, yes, Ansel El Elgort plays a guy whose name is Baby. Uh, when he was young, he was in a car crash that killed his parents. Something about his brain isn't quite right. He's kind of socially awkward now. He's got tinnitus, finds it hard to concentrate. So he becomes, of all things, a getaway driver for criminals. And he's great at it, but the reason is because he's got to have earbuds in with music pumping into his brain all the time, because that's the only way he can concentrate. So here you have this kind of oddball character, and from there you've got a pretty classic story. He meets a girl, he wants out of the criminal life, and he's going to pull one last job before he drives off into the sunset. Here's a clip. Know what you want? Your name? Well, you can get that for free. It's Debbie. Deborah. Oh, that song. The big one? Yeah. Bucks up time D-E-B-O-R-A, and I think that's just D-E-B-R-A. I don't know that one. Oh, it goes, um... I met you, J.C. Penny. <clears throat> I think your name tag said Jenny. Jenny? The song's about him wanting to get with Jenny and her sister, too, whose name is Deborah. So it's not even really about me. It's about the sister. My sister's name is Mary. She has got all the songs. Mary, Mary, where are you going to? Proud Mary, keep on burning. The wind cries, Mary. She's got me beat <laughs> again. She's got endless songs. I got one. Ah, uh, 
That Lily James, isn't she just a delight? She looks like an angel on earth. She really does. Totally. But I do have to also give a shout out to some of the supporting cast here because you're never going to see John Hamm like you're going to see John Hamm in this movie. Totally. You know, some of the supporting folks here, uh, they just steal their scenes. They're ridiculous. And again, what's great about it is everybody gets a chance to uh, to sort of say something, uh, some kind of deep dive into rock music. Um, you know, John Hamm and Baby get into a whole conversation about Queen, uh, Jamie Foxx gets into a whole monologue about FM radio. Um, Edgar Wright's a big music fan, um, and you can tell he poured a ton of research and ideas into this whole thing. Um, and in fact, I had a I had a hard time trying to find a clip for this movie that didn't have music in it because it's kind of a no no with podcasts. You're not supposed to play clips with music in them, and we I had a very hard time finding one that fit that bill. Um, so that's my recommendation. Uh, I will say it's got a great performance from Kevin Spacey as the crime boss back when we were all okay with Kevin Spacey. He's very funny in it. Um, one final note, I have a bonus recommendation for our listener. Um, oh, Rafer. Yes. Well, here's what you do. If you're on Spotify, find Edgar Wright on Spotify, where he has his top 50 songs of 2020. Two playlists, 50 songs each. So that's actually 100 songs. And these playlists are some of the best things I have ever found on Spotify. They are just perfectly curated, just perfectly cherry-picked. Like, Edgar Wright's got a great ear for a really good single. Like, he can totally weed out that one brilliant song from an album that's otherwise just kind of so-so. Ton of bands I'd never heard of, bands I'd forgotten about, bands I didn't know had new music out, um, and I've had these playlists in my in my Spotify rotation for months. They're they're really great. So that's your little bonus recommendation there. In addition to Baby Driver. Oh my gosh, I think Jillian's husband is going to love that Spotify list or those Spotify lists, I should say. And I'm going to love those too. I can hardly wait to listen to those, Rafer. And that actually might be more for Jillian's husband than for Jillian. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that, Jillian. But but Kristen, what what are you going to recommend? Well, Jillian, I am recommending something that is 100% for you, but I think your husband is going to like it as well. It's a movie called Troop Zero from Amazon Prime. It just came out last year. Do you know Troop Zero, Rafer? I do not. Oh, you need to see this too, Rafer, because... You are a huge David Bowie fan, and you yes. are going to love this movie because David Bowie's music is central to the storyline. Really? So, okay. Here's the gist of things Viola Davis is the Birdie Scout troop leader for a group of misfits in rural Georgia in 1977. The troop includes McKenna Grace. She is a bedwetter who talks to the stars in the hopes of reaching her deceased mother. Okay. Charlie Shotwell plays a boy who identifies you know, with the more feminine side of things in life. We have low-income children. Uh, we have kids who just don't fit in. And they all make up this troop. And, of course, they can't just be happy being in their own weird troop. There is a rival troop led by Allison Janney. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she is a woman committed to upholding the polished, genteel, birdie scout image. The two troops go head-to-head, -head, not just in trying to earn badges, but in a talent show that could earn them a place on the Voyager's golden record. That's the real-life record that was shot into space at a certain point. Oh, yeah. That included all the earth music, animal sounds, and the sounds of human children. Here's a clip. Y'all my birdies now. He can't be a birdie. 
Can't be a birdie because he's half boy. Can't be a football player because he's half girl. No, ma'am, that would be a no, ma'am. We are sweet to each other. Smash, get your finger out your nose. Get the straw out of your mouth. Hell no, you get the straw out of your mouth too. Put your foot down. Joseph, welcome to the birdie scouts. Smash, I don't care about the law. Raylene finna whoop your ass. <laughs> Joseph is one of y'all now, all right? And we are gonna do the best we can. Yeah. No, we finna lose. Hmm. It's a bunch of losers and trash nobody wants. No, we finna win. All y'all gotta do is win one badge each to go to Jamboree. So it shouldn't be that hard. Have y'all ever won anything in your lives? Troop Zero, let's just, you know what? Let's just do what we can. So where does David Bowie's music fit into all this, Kristen? Well, as I was saying, McKenna Grace, she is somebody who talks to the stars because she believes her mother is out there. And she loves Space Oddity. And so does her best friend, played by Charlie Shotwell. Uh-huh. And remember, the big goal in this movie is to get your voice on the golden record. Uh-huh. And I, I don't want to give it all away, but David Bowie's music from Space Oddity is folded beautifully and expertly in there. For the most part, this is a comedy film. It's very funny. It's very snappy. You can't help but cheer for all the oddballs. But I got to say, by the end, my husband, who is probably as big a David Bowie fan as you are, Rafer, uh-huh. he and I were both crying, Aww. like sobbing, messy crying, and singing along at the same time by the end of this movie. It is beautiful. The whole soundtrack is great, but uh, especially the David Bowie songs that are folded in because they are very central to this girl's relationship with space and with trying to reach her mom. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, it's very touching. It's very beautiful. All right. All right. Well, listen, almost anything with David Bowie's music in it is uh, guaranteed to at least get me to go check it out. Oh, you're going to love it, Rafer. <laughs> okay, good. Good. All right. All right. So, uh, so our recommendations are from Kristen, Troop Zero, and from me, Baby Driver. And Rafer, I guess that's it. I guess it's time to wrap up this episode of Movie Therapy and go and listen to your Spotify list instead. Sing it. Sing it, Kristen. (laughs) It's time to end movie therapy. Oh, my God. I love it when you sing, Rafer. Nice. (laughs) That's about as much as you're going to get. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. We so appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Reminder, you can always reach us on Twitter, at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And again, feel free to visit that website of ours, RaferandKristen.com, where we have every movie and TV show listed that we've recommended on the show. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm David Bowie. No, because if I were David Bowie, I could sing. I'm Kristen Meinzer. <laughs> and I'm Bing Crosby. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.